Hi, I'm Walter Lane, and you've tuned in to a sermon podcast from the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. that again that just didn't feel right okay now I'm back reoriented except I look out there and you guys aren't where you're supposed to be but that's good I appreciate that very much your willingness to be a little uncomfortable this morning let's start out by looking forward a little bit Um, we've got some things coming out up that you need to know about you need to take some action on if you haven't already done so The ladies' retreat is rapidly approaching. The deadline to register is on the 10th. So, ladies, if you have not yet registered for the ladies' retreat, you need to do so soon. You can either go online and do it. You can call the church office, and we'll do it for you. Or you can go to the table that's set up out in the commons area by the coffee bar. There will be a table set up there, and there will be someone manning that table. They'll be glad to register you this morning. So, please get registered for that. Last I heard, we're... Um, over a hundred people who are registered for that retreat. So that's really looking good. It's going to be a a wonderful time and a a transformative time, I'm convinced, in your lives and in the life of this congregation. Also, we are less than two weeks away from our family encampment up at Ponderosa Camp. If you are planning on going to that, you need to get registered if you've not already done so. Um, You can also do that online, or you can pick up one of the forms that you can find back at the welcome booth and fill that out and give it to me, and we'll get you registered. It's important that you register, even if you're going to be up there just for part of a day. Um, If you're going to be there for any meals at all, we need you registered so that we can plan ahead and have enough food for everybody for our family encampment. At last count, we are at about 120 people signed up for that, and I fully expect and hope that we will have more. So please get those things done, get registered, and plan on being a part of those important events that are coming up. Well, today we're starting a new sermon series. We're going to refocus our attention on our 2018 Netherwood Park theme. That theme, as you can see on the banners, is out of the boat, living uncomfortably. As we refocus our attention on our theme, I thought this would be a really good Sunday for us to distribute some wristbands that have our theme on it. You might have noticed those along the edges, any place that you can find a bulletin. You can also find um, a wristband. There's blue bands and there are gray bands. I encourage you to pick one of those up. They simply say, out of the boat, and then Matthew 14.29. Matthew 14.29 is in the midst of the story about Peter Calling, being called by Jesus out of the boat to walk on the water to Jesus. And we've been using that scripture as a part of our theme all year long. 
So please pick up a blue or a gray band, whichever goes best with your outfit this morning. Pick the right one. So why would you do that? Why would you pick up a wristband and actually wear it at times? Well, I would suggest you do it because it's good to have present and visible reminders of who we are and who we are trying to be. Personally, I wear three wristbands. I've got them right here. This red wristband, um, we've been together since 2016. It says, Equipped to Serve, Ephesians 4.12. That was our theme two years ago. And every time that I see this wristband and I read those words, I'm reminded that I have been equipped by God. And I am being equipped by God to do works of service works of service that build up the body of Christ. I also wear a blue wristband. This wristband has been with me for about a year and a half now. And on this wristband, if I can read it, it says, Live the Word. James 1, 22 through 25. That was our theme in 2017. And every time I see this wristband, every time I read those words, I'm prompted to remember that I am called to not only hear God's word, not only read God's word, not only study God's word, not only teach God's word, not only preach God's word, I am also called to live out God's word, to live out his word in my life and in this world in which I live. And now I am wearing a gray wristband out of the boat, Matthew 14, 29. Every time I see this band, I am reminded of our theme this year. It brings to mind Peter walking on the water. I remember Peter's example, and it encourages me to take that same kind of bold action. It reminds me that God has prepared for me to do his work, and that work doesn't always take place in my comfortable boat. Oftentimes, the work that God has prepared for me to do is well outside my comfort zone. So this band encourages me to get up out of my comfortable boat and join Jesus out on the water, the often uncomfortable water. So again, I encourage you to pick up one of the wristbands, either wear it or put it someplace where you'll frequently see it, and let it encourage you to get out of your comfortable boat. So this morning, are you ready to get uncomfortable? Or maybe you're already uncomfortable because you're sitting in a different place and around different people. I apologize to the people that were sitting in front of me because they're uncomfortable because they had to hear me sing this morning. So there may be lots of reasons why you're uncomfortable this morning. But it never ceases to amaze me how easily we are able to be made uncomfortable. We are creatures of habit and we are certainly creatures of comfort. Someone last week, I think they were joking when they said it. They said, so Walter, what do you have against comfort anyway? And my answer is, I don't have anything against comfort. I'm all for comfort. I wear comfortable shoes. I wear dad jeans because they're more comfortable. I sleep on a comfortable mattress. I set my thermostat at a comfortable temperature. I'm very much a creature of my culture. And I don't think that I would have to spend a lot of time convincing you that we are a culture that worships comfort. We love our comfort. We spend all kinds of money and time and energy making sure that we are comfortable. 
We detest being uncomfortable. Those of us here in New Mexico can relate to this. It's amazing how much we'll whine those two weeks of the year when the, when the humidity is just high enough that our, our swamp coolers don't work like we want them to. We're uncomfortable. It's not a perfect 72 degrees. We love our comfort. So what's wrong with that? What's wrong with wanting to be comfortable? Well, the simple answer is there's really nothing wrong with wanting to be comfortable, with seeking out comfort. There's really nothing wrong with that, at least when we're talking about our physical lives. So my goal this morning isn't to make you feel guilty about your soft mattress or feel guilty about your refrigerated air conditioning or feel guilty about your heated seats or your lazy boy recliner. But I do want us all to recognize that what may be fine for our physical lives can be death for our spiritual lives. I want us to understand that the path to a vibrant and active and strong and healthy and mature spiritual life isn't the path of comfort. It isn't the path of least resistance. So in the coming weeks, we're going to emphasize that the path to a vibrant spiritual life is found outside of our comfortable boats. It's found out on those uncomfortable waters where Jesus is working. Over the next several weeks, we're going to repeatedly remind ourselves that we grow the most when we step out of our boats. That's where spiritual growth happens. Spiritual growth happens when we hear the word and then when we live the word out in the world. We grow the most when we step out of our boats. And in the coming weeks, we're also going to emphasize that we accomplish the most for the cause of Christ when we step out of our boats. The reality is the lost aren't in the boats with us. The reality is that the hurting people of the world aren't in the boats with us. They're not sharing our boats. They're out on the water. So we accomplish the most for the cause of Christ when we step out of our boats. And over the next several weeks, we're going to regularly stress that our faith is clarified. And our faith is crystallized when we step out of our boats. Clarified and crystallized. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that we can't really know the character of our faith if our faith is never tested. Until our beliefs are challenged, until we meet resistance, until we face questions and deal with persecution, until holding on to our faith actually costs us something, we can't know how genuine and we can't know how strong is our faith. Our faith is clarified and crystallized when we step out of our boats. So over the next several weeks, I'm going to argue that comfortable Christianity is actually an oxymoron. Comfortable and Christianity are two words that don't go together. In fact, they're two words that I think contradict each other. Yes, following Christ brings comfort to our hearts. Following Christ brings comfort to our souls. But the Christian walk was never intended to be a comfortable walk. 
In fact, I think that comfortable Christianity is the religious equivalent of glamping. I'll probably need to explain this. We've got a picture that might help explain it. Are you familiar with that term, glamping? This is an example of glamping. Glamping is a mashup of two words, two words that were mashed together. Glamorous and camping put together becomes glamping. So glamping is camping without any discomfort. Glamping is camping without having to give up any of the comforts and the securities of home. Glamping is camping without any inconveniences, without any struggles. It's like taking your home and putting it out somewhere else and not having to be uncomfortable in any way. And if our expectations of Christianity is that it's going to be a life and a walk that's free of discomforts, if it's going to be the the religious equivalent of glamping, if we think that we won't have to give up any of our comforts and securities, if we're not prepared to face inconveniences and struggles, if we're only willing to accept that which is comfortable, then we've chosen the wrong religion. That's not Christianity. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, if you want a religion that makes you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. What's wrong with comfortable Christianity? It's an oxymoron. And because it's an oxymoron, we have to be really careful about how we present Christianity to other people. We have to be careful about how we sell Christianity if you will, to other people. So we need to make sure that we aren't selling people on joining us on what is really a a spiritual equivalent of an uncomfortable, long-term, fast-paced, ultra-like backpacking trip high up in the wilderness by telling them that actually we're going glamping. Because that's not the Christian walk. Comfortable Christianity is an oxymoron. If we invite other people to a comfortable Christian life, we're guilty of the worst kind of bait and switch. We're telling them that the walk is one thing and the reality is it's something completely different. If we tell other people that they can follow Christ without giving up any of their comforts, without giving up any of their securities, we're engaging in spiritual malpractice. That's not the Christian walk. Why would we make promises about comfortable Christianity that Jesus never made? Why would we make promises about comfortable Christianity that Paul never made? In fact, their sales pitch, if you will, is the opposite of comfortable Christianity. I'm going to quickly move through Jesus' and Paul's sales pitch about the Christian walk. Their pitch is, come follow Christ and align and identify yourself with the cross. It's come follow Christ and the cross will forever be your symbol. You'll be forever aligning yourself and identifying yourself with a symbol of pain. A symbol of death. A symbol of humiliation. Paul said this. He said, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I will only boast in the cross, a symbol of pain and humiliation and death. Their sales pitch says, come follow Christ and be prepared to lose your life. Lose your life so you can gain it. Jesus in John chapter 12 said, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Their pitch is, come follow Christ and be prepared to deny yourself. Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Their pitch goes like this, come follow Christ and be prepared to take up and carry your very own cross. Luke 14, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Their pitch is, come follow Christ and be subject to persecution, just like Jesus was. John 15, Jesus says, remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. And then he says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Their pitch is, come follow Christ and be prepared to give up all of the comforts of home and the comforts of family. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So come follow me. Their pitch is come follow Christ and be prepared to give up your material possessions. The scripture that was read earlier from Luke 14, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Their pitch is come follow Christ and be prepared to be radically obedient, even obedient to the point of death. Paul in Philippians chapter 2 says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So come, follow me. And the pitch is, come, follow Christ and be prepared to always put others first. Paul, again, in Philippians chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Come, follow me. The pitch is, come follow Christ and be prepared to be patient and bear with your new brothers and sisters. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. The pitch is to come follow Christ and be prepared to carry your new brothers and sisters' burdens. Galatians chapter 6, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. The pitch is come follow Christ and be prepared to live in unity with all of your new brothers and sisters. 
even the different and difficult ones. Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's quite a sales pitch, isn't it? It makes you wonder why anybody signed up for that walk. Come follow me into discomfort. So why would anybody sign up for that walk? Why would anyone make the choice to follow Jesus if the choice means giving up comfort, if it means accepting discomfort? Well, you sign up for that walk. You make that choice because that's only part of the story. It's only part of the story. It's only a partial picture of the life that's promised to followers of Jesus Christ. If that was the entire story, following Jesus would be an exercise in just constant misery, wouldn't it? In fact, if that was the complete story, we can conclude that the more miserable that we can make ourselves, the more Christ-like that we will be. And since we all want to be more Christ-like, then we should be seeking out misery. Because the more uncomfortable we are, the better it is. So how about that? Is that what we're supposed to do? Are we supposed to be seeking out misery? Well, to use Paul's words, by no means. Now, Christianity isn't about seeking out suffering. It's about seeking first the kingdom of God. And when we do that, sometimes it will lead to suffering. See, Christianity is about celebrating. But it's not about celebrating our pain and our brokenness. It's about celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ suffered on the cross for us because we were broken. Because of our pain. So we celebrate our redemption through Jesus Christ. And that's not a life of misery. That doesn't bring us misery. In fact, that brings us great joy. Even in the midst of trials and sufferings. That's the more complete story. See, we identify with the cross the symbol of pain and death and suffering. We identify with the cross because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. We willingly give up our comforts and our possessions because Jesus gave up everything for us. We choose obedience to the point of death because Jesus was obedient to death. We put others first. We bear with each other. We bear with each other's burdens because Jesus put us first and bears with us and bears our burdens. We choose the difficult task of living in unity with our difficult brothers and sisters because Jesus died on the cross so difficult people like you and difficult people like me could be united with him. We choose a life with Jesus because he offers so much more than a comfortable existence in this temporary world. So why step out of the boat? Why trade a comfortable me-first life for a life that may be filled with danger and difficulty and discomfort? 
Well, we choose to step out of the boat because it turns out that an abundant life with Jesus is much better. It's so much more than a life with an abundance. An abundant life with Jesus is better than a life with an abundance of comfort. An abundant life with Jesus is better than a life with an abundance of money, an abundance of possessions. We step out of the boat because an abundant life is better than a life with an abundance. That's reason number one why we step out of the boat. Here's reason number two. We step out of the boat and we trade a comfortable me-first life for a life that may be filled with danger and difficulty and discomfort because it turns out that a soul at rest is better than a body at ease. A soul at rest is better than a body at ease. It turns out that those material things that we strive for, they may make us comfortable. But I think we know from experience that they don't bring us true comfort. They don't bring us true rest. They don't bring us true peace. But Jesus offers his followers all of those true things. Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest for our souls. That's reason number two why we step out of the boat because a soul at rest is better than a body at ease. The third reason why we step out of the boat and trade a comfortable me-first life for a life that may be filled with danger and difficulty and discomfort is because of what happens to us when we do step out of the boat. See, it turns out that nothing matures us Nothing completes us. Nothing grows us like faithfulness amid discomfort. It turns out that nothing shapes us into the image of Christ like faithfulness in the midst of trials. A lot of us have struggled with James's words in James chapter 1. But when we think about it in this way, James's words make complete and perfect sense. See, he wrote, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Nothing matures us. Nothing completes us. Nothing grows us like faithfulness amid discomfort. That's... Reason number three. And the final reason I want to give you for why we would step out of the boat and trade a comfortable me-first life for a life that may be filled with danger and difficulty and discomfort is because Jesus is calling us to come out of our comfortable boats. And when we hear him calling us and we answer his call... And when we choose him instead of choosing comfort, 
We're choosing a life of substance, a life of meaning, a life of purpose, and a life of permanence. See, when we choose Jesus instead of choosing our comfortable boat, we're choosing resurrection instead of death. When we choose Jesus, we're choosing freedom instead of slavery to sin. When we choose Jesus, we're choosing redemption instead of choosing loss. When we choose Jesus, we're choosing salvation instead of choosing destruction. When we choose Jesus, we are choosing eternal life instead of everlasting death. That's why we step out of the boat. That's why we follow Jesus out on the uncomfortable water. Because life with Jesus is better. Life with Jesus is more complete. And life with Jesus is permanent, true life. Out on the water with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, you have blessed us in so many ways. And Father, we confess to you that many of the good things that you have given us, we have used those as a crutch. That we have taken those and we have found our security in our possessions, security in our relationships, security in our money, security in any number of things that are all about us. And Father, turn us away from that attitude Turn us away from that life, Father, so that we will choose Jesus before all things. That we will choose Jesus above all things. That we will choose Jesus because, Father, that is where abundant life is found. Father, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So I hope you'll be here next week. We're going to continue this sermon series. And next week, we're going to talk about some warning signs that our Christianity has become too comfortable. Think about that for a second. And I want to warn you that this is a topic that is guaranteed to be uncomfortable. Some warning signs that let us know when our Christianity has become too comfortable. And that brings us to our uncomfortable challenge number 32. This is an assessment challenge. This week I challenge you to come up with your own list. Your own list of warning signs that your Christianity has become too comfortable. And then I want you to come here next week with your list and see if it looks anything like my list. So take that challenge. Warning signs that our Christianity has become too comfortable. What I want us to do as we end our time together this morning is I want us to stand and sing and I want us to encourage each other to get out of our boats and follow Jesus. Let's stand and sing. Sing, Lord, like a shepherd.